going to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 12 today. Romans chapter 12. And we're going to just kind of move through this fairly quickly. But we've been talking about over the last several weeks being called. How many people here have been called by Jesus Christ? Okay, I guarantee you it's a whole lot more than that because I only saw about a quarter of the hands in the house. How many have been called by Jesus Christ? Yes, you have. You've been called. You have been called to salvation. You've been called to eternal life. And you have been called to the ministry of bearing His grace, His love, His gospel to this world. Amen? Who knows this to be true? Amen. Well, something the Lord's just been kind of working in me on, on me, through me, on top of me, underneath of me, uh, He's just been working on it. And uh, I just wanted to share a little bit today as we get into this. So, Lord, speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. And I'm sorry, Jerry, I had no place where I could put that lapel on. So, I will keep this mic right here, my brother, 12, verse 1. There, you can hear me, starting verse 12. I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, when Paul was urging somebody, that meant what? Come on. I urge you, brothers and sisters, now this is huge, so I want us all to read this together. In view of God's what? In view of God's what? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, so he is urging us to offer ourselves. It says bodies, but it's talking about inside and out, up and down, everything, everything. Offer your bodies, your lives, who you are as living what? Sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, in view of His mercy. I want everybody to look at me just real quick. We need to understand who we have, whose we are, and what He's done. When we begin to receive that, believe that, and live that, boy, it changes perspective, does it not? Does it not? Who is Jesus? I'll just, just take it for a moment. Who's Jesus? Who is He? Who does He say you are? I didn't say, what did your neighbor next to you say you are? I didn't say what the newspaper or the media says you are. Who does he say you are? And what is it that he has done on our behalf? In view of this mercy then, in view of the fact that everything you have, everything you need, everything you are, everything you will be, and the eternity you have laid before you, in view of that, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Why? Because, guess what? This world has nothing for us. Oh, who, who knows that? This world, this society, this culture has nothing for us. If anything, we have something for it. Am I getting too loud too soon? We have something for it. I love what it goes on to verse 2. Do not, what's the word in the NIV? Conform to the pattern of this world, but be, here's the big word, be what? 
transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, this is verse 2. Goes, I like what the Passion Translation says. You ready for this? I like this. This is verse 2. It goes like this. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. Stop it. Stop imitating the opinions and the ideas of the culture around you. Stop giving so much credence to opinions and ideas when you have the truth sitting right here. Uh, about five people are getting it. The rest of you are going like, I lost them back about five minutes ago. Stop it. There is a new, there is a new move. Well, it's been going on for a while, but, but there's a move in seminaries. There's a move in a lot of churchianity, in a lot of Christian circles of, hey, we need to be relevant as believers. Well, sure, be relevant, but I'm not going to be relevant by the culture standard. The most relevant thing I could ever do is do the thing I was made to do, and many of us haven't, including myself, and that is be the love of Christ in this world. Is there anything more relevant than the love of Jesus? Is there anything more needed right now than the love of Jesus? None at all. None at all. Here's what's happened. We've given in to the culture. And so this is what the culture says. You ready? Stop all offensiveness. Maximize all affirmation. Make it comfortable and safe. Make us happy. Guess what the number one, Tracy just told me yesterday, I think, yeah, yesterday, at Harvard University, this past semester's number one most attended class. This was in the news. You have to believe the news. The number one attended class at Harvard was this. How to be happy. I'm not lying. That was the name of the class, how to be happy, and it was the most number it was the number one attended class on Harvard's campus. How to be happy. And at peace, the culture says build self-esteem. Learn to love yourself. Self-care, self-improvement, evolve, be enlightened. All of this has been going on for decades where they're saying, if they just had better self-worth, better self-esteem, if they had all this, this coming, by the way, from someone who worked as a guidance counselor who has my degrees in counseling, I've got the whole psychological field down in terms of education. Why is it then, in even the news two days ago, the suicide rate is on the rise in America like never before. Depression is through the roof. Why is it for four or five decades we've been pushing this self-esteem, self-worth, improve yourself, make it better, don't be offensive, let's lift everybody up and make everybody okay, and everybody just do what you want to do to be what? Happy. And yet, where is our culture headed as we follow culture? Down the tubes. In statistical ways. Amen? Do you see what I'm saying? Can you see that there must be a problem that we're missing? No matter how much we're trying to make everybody feel good, nobody feels good.
since the fall, here's the bottom line, since the fall, mankind has elevated his own opinion, his own thought, and the more serious we take ourselves, listen to me, the more serious we take our own thoughts and opinions, the worse it gets. The more serious we take what we think to be the gospel, the worse things get. Show me a time in society. I mean, they are trying to rebuild the idea of different political society things right now. Well, if we just did... I don't want to sound political today. I don't because that's not what I'm going down. But I'm just saying, socialism, communism, if we just do it this way, it'll work this time. Oh, or if we just do this, it'll work this time. How many have heard that before? If we just do it this way, it'll work this time. How many know that when you do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, they call that insanity? Amen? And yet, what do we do in culture? Nothing's new under the sun. We're doing the same thing over and over again. Dave Thompson brought it to my attention, this little phrase called first world problems. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Evidently, it's becoming apparent to people more and more that we complain about things that really we should be in absolute shock and awe of. Dave was saying he was sitting in the airport this week, so annoyed that it was taking so long to board the plane because he just wasn't going to get back in time for whatever. And then it struck him. That am I allowing this to so work me up when I'm about to get on a machine that flies through the air at 500 miles an hour to get me to a place that normally would have taken me five days by horseback to get to, and I'm going to be home in two hours. Why am I worked up about this? First world problem. We are so consumed with me, 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 that we sound ignorant, don't we? Can you see how this becomes so ignorant sounding? But then something changed 2,000 years ago. Something happened that has not changed even for today. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will not what? will not die, will not perish, but have everlasting life. So he comes and he says, hey, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But I will tell you this, disciples and followers, without me, you can do nothing. There's nothing this world can do to equip you to do anything any different. So it's very clear, even in the Old Testament, before Jesus is on the scene in a physical body, says, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust the Lord. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your paths. I love the fact that I got this little chick over here just talking the whole time. This is awesome. Or this little guy here. I'm thinking a little girl. How are you, man? He's like, hey. I love it. I'm like, this is so fun. Woohoo! Hi. Oh, Lord, bless those kids. Wow, in Jesus' name, just bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. I love it. 
Let me just say something to you. How many know the gospel did not come to serve you? The gospel didn't come to make you happy and all warm and fuzzy inside. Jesus died for me and now I feel good. Now, you say, oh, that sounds sacrilegious. No, it is sacrilegious when we act that way. The gospel didn't come to serve you. The gospel came to change you. The gospel has no time for your old self. The gospel says, hey, that self's got to go. I've come to bring you a new self. What's the new self look like? Hey, I've only got one model, the Lord says. You know what that model's name is? Jesus. That's it. That's it. And it's the most amazing, most perfect model you can find. Jesus didn't, see, Jesus didn't come to be incorporated into your life. Jesus didn't come as a sticky note. I know sometimes I say, hey, hey, you keep repeating yourself, Dave. Well, maybe it's because I want you to understand what I'm trying to say. Jesus didn't come as a sticky note for Danny to stick on his shoulder that slowly he'll add parts of Jesus' life into his. Now, Jesus didn't come to be incorporated into your life. He came to be your life. Who's with me right now? I know you guys are saying the wild man's at it again. I don't know. See, he came to be with your life. He is the way. He's not just another good idea. He is the way. He's not just another opinion. He is the way. We can dance around it till they're blue in the face. I've seen enough. I love it. I love it. I love it when my, my, my friends that don't believe in God, they get into, get into arguments how God can't exist. And, and I sit back and I go, I have, I have seen things there is no way on God's green earth could ever happen without a God. I mean, let's be honest, from childbirth or the birth of a child all the way up to seeing someone freed from a demonic spirit or being healed from incurable, unhealable diseases. Oh, sorry, you're just on the wrong playing field now. You can't convince me. I've seen. And now what they said in First John, we're just telling you what we've seen. Has anybody ever noticed that once you've experienced God, who's going to talk you out of God? Hello? Once you've experienced His love, His grace, His mercy, there's no talking you out of it. So what's the problem with people that keep getting talked out of it? I don't think they've truly experienced God because the vessels of God's love are trying to be relevant. See, the goal is to become like Him completely. Lord, I want to be like You. Make me like You. In fact, what did John 17, 3 say? What is eternal life? To know the Father and the Son. To know them. It's not just my little card in my wallet that says, hey, when I get to the gates of hell, I get this, I give them the card say, I, this is my get out of here free pass. Now I can go to heaven. That's not Christianity. That's not salvation. It's a transformed life. Completely. Completely. So I'm going to ask you today, how many know honesty here today? That you could have people encourage you. And I'd love some honesty here today. 
You can have people encourage you and tell you how wonderful you are and how great you do and continue to do that over and over and over again and know in the long run it will do nothing for who you are. How many have children? How many times have you said, no, that was great. No, it wasn't. I stink. I feel I got a middle schooler, man. Come on. It's all, no, it's not, no. That's why they say the opposite of what you say, because really your words, it's good to love them, but sometimes love is a lot more than just telling them they're doing a good job. (laughs) Or giving everybody a trophy for participating. Hey, my kid has lots of trophies, but stayed depressed most of his life. Who's hearing me? See, there's so much more, and I know some people may take offense to that, and I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just speaking the truth. There's nothing wrong with giving a kid a trophy, but don't expect that to change their life. It's not going to change their life. Jesus will change their life. So here's the thing. How much of culture is in you, or how much of Jesus is in you? Well, there's one great way to know, okay? First John talks about this, that if we say we love one another, and, it's see, and you see it, that shows that you know the Father. So basically, the amount of love that is seen in you equals how much you actually know Him. So when you're squeezed by life, I'm not talking about life's honky-dory. I'm talking about, ugh. You know, I'm talking about those situations that make you want to go, seriously. Those tough times in life. When you're squeezed in those, what comes pouring out? Oh, is it, is it frustration? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it grief and hopelessness? Or is it God's love? Because how many here call themselves a Christian? Do you know what Christian is? Little Christ. It means you are a miniature of who? Christ. And I'll tell you what right now, Jesus was love. So if His life is in me, what's going to come pouring out? Love. Even when life is tough, what's going to come pouring out? The more I know Him, what's going to come pouring out? The more I know Him and serve Him, it doesn't matter the context of the situation or how heavy it gets. The more I know Him and what's going to come pouring out? Love. That doesn't mean you're not going to get down at times. That doesn't mean there's not going to be frustrating experiences. That doesn't mean you're not going to have some emotions that are happening. But you're always going to go right back to the fact that, hey, I may feel this way, but the truth still is. I may just be, uh, but the truth is. See, where we get ourselves in trouble is when we get stuck in those emotions and we will not go to the fact that the truth is. That's where we get stuck. That's where we get spinning tires. It's okay to get annoyed at times, folks. Who likes getting annoyed? Nobody. But you do get annoyed, right? It's okay to get frustrated. It is okay to feel like, ah. But guys, speaking truth, declaring what is and not what isn't makes all the difference in the world. So let's go on real quick. 
Verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. It is your gift if, uh, if, if your gift is prophecy, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If, you're, if it is serving, serve. If it is teaching, teach. If it is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God is saying, hey, regardless of your gifting, do it. You've been called. Do it. I have given you everything you need to do it. I have told you everything you are so you can do it. So you can be it. So you can be that vessel. See, everything has been given to us for the purpose, bottom line. If you went through that list real quick, can any of those things, prophesying, encouraging, um, teaching, giving, uh, leading, can any of those things be done just by yourself? No, it has to include at least one other person. Every gifting ever given is for the sake of yourself or somebody else. I'm going to say it again. Every gift, I'll say it one more time because I think you need to hear that. For your sake, it's for the sake of who? I'm going to say it one more time because I think you need to hear that. Every gift God has ever blessed you with is not for you but for others. Others, completely. How many ever heard a little, I think some have heard it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. And the, sa- and the second is the same. Love your neighbor as, now this, I, I, I'm just going to be, I'm just speaking from here, what I believe is a, an erroneous teaching within the church has come to this, that you cannot love somebody else unless you first love. I'm just saying, in my opinion, hogwash. That's not what this says. This is not saying, love them as you have been able to love you. Hey, what does Jesus say about you? What does Jesus say about you? What does Jesus say about you? You are His kid, and He died for you. And He loves you. And He's got eternity to play and rejoice and be together. And He's got amazing things now. Eternity began when you said, Jesus, I surrender. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is there. No, that verse is not saying, first love you so you can love others. That's saying, love your neighbor as yourself. It's saying, Dave, love that person as if that's you. Love that person and treat that person as if that's you. Therefore, your eyes are not on. But on that, Jesus assumed, hey, I know people get down, but people, for the most part, are trying to take care of themselves. 
They want him to be happy. They want to be happy. Great. Focus on the other person first. They want it. They, they, they want to be encouraged. Great. Encourage somebody else first as if it's you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as if that's yourself. And how do I know this? That it's not talking about self-love? Because 2 Timothy 3 says very clearly, in the last days, people will be, and there's numerous things, and one of them is lovers of themselves. And that's not a positive thing. They want, it's all about themselves. Lovers of who they want to be. In fact, so much so, what did Jesus say? Hey, you want to be my follower? Deny yourself. Now, what's deny yourself? I heard a pastor say, it doesn't mean you can't go out and play golf. It doesn't mean you can't go out and get something to eat, have a good time with your spouse. That's not denying yourself, okay? Denying yourself says this, none of what's around me gives me any value whatsoever. And if I'm focused on what's around me, I'm not going to be able to give anybody else any value. I'm focused on the gospel that transforms me. So I'm denying what I think and placing in it, putting in its place the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings transformation and impacts the world through me. I'm going to take up my cross, death to self. That's what has to happen. See, self-worth doesn't come from outside. It comes from being designed... Being, becoming what you've been designed to be. How many know that when you get saved, when, G, when, when Aaron said yes to Jesus, you know what happened? Jesus reached down and hit the factory reset button. He went back to the original mode. How many know when your phones crash, sometimes the only way to do is just take them back to factory reset? Why? Because they know they're going to work correctly after all the gobbledygook you've put on your phone that's caused it to crash, or whatever. maybe you didn't put it on there, somebody else did, but it's caused it to crash. you got to take it back to where it was, how it was originally made so that it will work as it's supposed to. So what happens when you say yes to Jesus? He hits the reset button, takes you back to original, what you were originally called to be. So here's, the, here's it, folks. I've been taught a lot, even as, pa- as a pastor, I say, you got to learn to take care of yourself. You need to do self-care. That's a big term these days, self-care. Well, I have to say this. I don't, I don't think we need to take care of ourselves. You say, oh, great, here we go. No, I'm not joking. I don't think we need to take care of self. We need to take care that self doesn't rise up again. So if that means I need to go on a vacation because I need some time, to get serious with the Lord again because I've allowed my head to go all over creation and I need to let let some resetting happen a little bit, okay, then so be it. If I need some time, me and the Lord, just just, just to get away, if I need to set some boundaries, not because it's against how everybody else will respond, self will rise up. Have you ever noticed how self-care has everything to do with how everybody else will respond to you and how they can overwhelm you and how they can do you in? But in reality, it's how you respond to them that's the problem. It is. It's how you respond to them that's the problem. 
How you process what they say is the problem. We don't want self rising up again, so do what you got to do. But don't make this about anybody else. I've seen far too many pastors, including myself, that get so overwhelmed with their congregants, they quit. Do you know what the burnout rate in the clergy is? It's obscene how many clergy bail out every year. Sadly enough, 70 to 80% of the time, the reason being, either they feel like failures or they've been hurt too bad to want to go on. Either way, neither of those things have anything to do with the Lord. It's how you respond. You say, well, Dave, are you trying to put yourself... No, I'm just as guilty. I'm just sitting back going, okay, Lord, i got to make sure that I take care that myself never rises up again or I'm going to respond that way. Self always dictates apart from God. How many know when you're not in fellowship? How many know when you're not in fellowship, it's easy to get disconnected from the body? And how many know when you're not in fellowship, it's easy for flesh to start taking over? And suddenly before you know it, you're like, I can't go back to White Hill. They'll just judge me. What do we do? They'll just, they'll just judge. I just don't feel connected there anymore. I heard one guy say, that's not a loving place. Why? You're there. Aren't we all supposed to be filled with whose love? You're there. It should be loving. You're blaming everybody else for not being loving? Hey, at least you're there, right? Self will always dictate apart from God. Anytime our eyes are on anything other than Jesus, guess who's in the driver's seat? Self. How many husbands and wives have looked at themselves and they get all frustrated? Why am I walking over here to my wife? I know. Tracy's like, what was that all about? We do. And we start to blame the other one for how we feel. My wife just doesn't get me. If she only knew that I work all day, and I'm sure many men have said this, I work all day and I provide all day, what else does she want? Okay, I'll take out the trash, but nothing more. Always expecting stuff out of me. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, if your eyes are on your spouse in anger, you're wrong because anytime your eyes are on anything other than Jesus... Flesh gets, get, gets to do whatever it wants. Self gets to do whatever it wants. Anytime your eyes are on anything other than Jesus, self gets all the glory. That's why it's so easy to get mad at people. You get your eyes on people, as long as your eyes are on people, you can't forgive them. The only way to forgive somebody is to get your eyes off of them and get them on Jesus, and guess what happens miraculously? I'm taking a long time here. I'll keep moving here. Nothing should dictate us other than the Lord. Dictate it all. So let's just move to the last verse I'm going to cover today, verse 9. Love must be what? Sincere. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. We've all been called to minister. I'm going to do one more time just to exercise your arm. Who here has been called to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world? Every one of us. We've all been called to minister, but it is not possible to truly minister outside of love. 
If you try to minister outside of them, has anybody ever been on the raw end, on the blunt end, on the hurtful end of somebody trying to tell you truth that is biblical truth, but it didn't come out of love? It came out of the fact that they knew you were wrong and you needed to know it. Anybody ever experienced that? Then you feel like you just got hit upside the head with a club? And you're wondering why you feel so condemned and so filthy? Rather than someone coming at you and saying, hey, I love you so much and I value you so much that I want you to hear. I want you to hear there's a better way. And I'm going to love you even if you choose not to, but you know what? There's a better way because I want to see you free. I don't want you to see that I think you're wrong and you get, get it together. I want to see that you're free. See, when you approach people that way, it's a whole different ballgame. And here's the thing. You can't approach people that way until you and the Lord are operating together in love. So we got, we've been called to truly be bearers of God's transforming gospel, and that requires love. That's the channel. How many know that unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred is rampant in the church? Not just the world, the church. How, you say, oh, Dave, you're so, how despicable. You say, oh, Dave, you're so hard on people. No, I'm talking about me too. How despicable that we've allowed that to be when He has spoken such love over us and has declared such love over us. Why are we walking as if everybody else owes us something? You know, I was just praying for Taylor the other day. Oh, my kids, but I was praying for Taylor, and I won't embarrass her. I'll just keep it very brief. We pray oftentimes, Lord, you know, we've said over the years, Lord, we pray that... Um, Taylor has good friends that encourage her and lead her in this. But lately, and it really struck me the other day, I said, Lord, I'm not praying that she, she has good friends. Lord, I'm praying that she is a good friend. Do you see the difference? That's the difference. I'm not praying that you meet this need in Taylor because guess what? Your word promises that you already will and have. What I'm praying is that she be a vessel of that for others. Amen? And I pray that over y'all. Lord, I don't want to sit around going, bless the congregants, bless them. Lord, show them favor. Yeah, do that, Lord, but do it so that the world sees Jesus through them. Amen? You've been called as ministers. You've been called by Jesus, by God, and you have been filled with His love, and He has great things in store for you. This is why Paul goes on, and I'm just going to touch on them. He says in verse 13, give to fellow believers. He says in verse 14, bless those who persecute you. In verse 15, he says, mourn with those who are mourning. Weep with those who weep. In verse 16, he says, live in unity. Associate with those whose society says is less than than you, lower than you. Verse 17 says, don't repay evil for evil. Verse 19 says, never avenge yourselves. And verse 20 says, go as far as feeding your enemies and giving them something to drink. And he says, you know what? The only way that you can do that is if my love is filling you. 
I have come to the determination that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is not indifference, as some say. The opposite of love, I used to think, was fear because of 1 John chapter 4, but I'm realizing even more so, the opposite of true godly love is self. Life. Love is not. The self is allowed to enter in any circumstance in your life. Love is not there. And that's the problem. So anytime you encounter a problem then, it's because what's not there? Love. So how do I deal with that problem then? Oh, Lord, I need to connect with you that I may walk in your perfect love. Why take a situation to Him? Because He covers it with His love. Because what's the word say? Love covers a multitude of what? Sins. When we operate in love, it changes everything. Stop trying to be the ministers you think you're supposed to be and be the ministers of God that He's called you to be, filled with, your, with His love. Lord Jesus, we just give You praise, honor, and glory, for You are good. Lord, kind of hard words today, but Father, I just want to thank You in Jesus' name for speaking to me heavily today. I want to thank You, Lord, in Jesus' name. You've called every person here for a purpose. You've called them because they love You, and You have called them to move in a mighty way amongst us. Father, Lord, we're just saying right now, Lord, convict our hearts where we have allowed self to totally inhibit Your love moving through us. God, we do not want to be driven by self anymore. We want Your love to be seen. We want Jesus to be seen. God, You're good. And keep doing Your work in us and through us, Lord. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord, for every person here. Lord, I thank You right now in Jesus' name for every person with unforgiveness in their heart. I thank You so much for them because, Lord, freedom's on the other side. <laughs> I thank You for every person here that is just frustrated and upset and exhausted. Lord, I thank You. Freedom's on the other side. It's always been there. And Father, I thank you for every person we encounter. We don't have to be on guard. You said, if you're for us, who's going to be against us? Lord, we want to see the value of every person around us to declare your love that they be transformed. So God, we just want to give you praise, give you honor, give you glory. We want to be nothing but love with skin on it. In Jesus' name, keep doing it, Lord. You said that's what you're doing, making us like you. Love with skin on it. Here we are. We give you praise. In Jesus' name I pray. I'm going to ask you to stand where we are. We're just simply going to do this. I, I, I just want to ask the Lord, Lord, I want to be love with skin on it. Who needs to be loved on right now? Give them a, a wrap up around their arm, around them, or, or shake their hand or just tell them, hey, be blessed. God loves you. Go in the peace of the Lord.